Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Crocs Gym in Novi, Michigan, Janae Croc. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Um, one of these times when I wish we had several hours for this, but we don't. So let's hop into it. Tell me what Crocs Gym is all about. All right. So Crocs Gym, uh, we're in metro, the metro Detroit area. We're basically a powerlifting focused gym, kind of an old school throwback gym, you know, still all metal plates, you know, monolift squat racks, uh, deadlift platforms, competition benches, all the power bars and stuff like that that you can imagine. But uh, so we have a lot of competitive powerlifters that train here, but also some bodybuilders and other people that are just serious strength athletes. And then, you know, and it runs the full range. We've got beginners too, but we're kind of basically an old school throwback gym. You know, you're obviously welcome to deadlift here, use chalk, make lots of noise, you know, do whatever you need to do. But for the people that are serious about strength training, that's basically what we provide. Yeah. If you're, if you're in the Detroit area and you want to see, you know, lift with a bunch of badasses and see a bunch of equipment you might have only seen in magazines or if you watch the Arnold's, Crocs Gym is the place to be. So it's a fairly new venture going on about 10 months that you've been open. Um, we wouldn't do any of it justice if we didn't get a little backstory, your history in, in competition leading up to public speaking, education. COVID. So give us a, a summary, if you can, of uh, the, the wild, the, the many adventures um, the you know, your high level competition, everything from there out. Um, you know, I don't think we can go back to, to nine years old when you started training, but we can at least start with your competitive powerlifting body uh, bodybuilding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll try to try to make long story short, but uh, basically I was just one of those people who was passionate about strength training from day one, got into lifting at a very young age, did my first competitions in high school, and then slowly worked my way up the ladder. It took me, you know, a long time. I competed for over two decades, but eventually worked my way up to where I won the Arnold Classic and set the all-time world record in my um, weight class. Um, I was walking around the 250s, but I would cut down to 220 to compete. And my um, all-time PRs, I squatted a 1,014 pounds, bench 738, and deadlifted 810. And when I left the sport of powerlifting, I was ranked number one in the world all time. Um, then I went into bodybuilding for a few years, um, won the Michigan NPC, Michigan States, and competed at the NPC Nats in 2013. And, um, but ba yeah, basically spent most of my adult life in the uh, strength world. And, uh, and then from there, I'm all, I was also a licensed pharmacist and have a, you know, I was married, had three sons. So we're raising a family the whole time while I was competing and working full-time as a pharmacist. And uh, then um, boys grew up and uh, no longer married. And, and uh, it, the, what makes my story, I guess, unique is that the whole time this was all going on, I was also transgender and had been something I'd been dealing with my entire life. And uh, my family and friends, I, I started coming out to them in my early 30s, but it was still, at this time, I was at the peak of my strength training career. So, you know, I was on the cover of a few magazines. I was featured in Muscle and Fitness. 
Um, you know, there was all this media out there. I was with like some of the big supplement companies like muscle tech. I was one of, you know, their main people. And, uh, so I knew the consequences of coming out. And even though this was only 10, 15 years ago, the world was even, you know, quite different than it is now. I knew there was going to be consequences of me coming out, but at the same time, I wanted to get into activism and I was, you know, coming out to all my family and friends. And like, I told my boys when they were all young, so they knew their entire lives, um, but then, so basically I had, you know, I was out to some of my sponsors, out to the people close to me, but not out to the public, not out to my fans and all of that. And then in 2015, I did get outed um, being as open as I had been. I knew that was a chance. And that happened A YouTube vlogger heard about the story, ran it and um, it went viral. And uh, in one day, you know, my life got turned upside down. I mean, I'm at work as a pharmacist and uh, my phone starts blowing up. And first it's my friends telling me that I'm outed and it's all over the internet. And 30 minutes later, I've got TMZ calling me inside edition and all this stuff like on my personal phone, you know, it's crazy. But um, so then that led to, you know, I was like, well, if my story is going to be told, I want to be the one to tell it. And I accepted all the interviews and started doing all that. That led to a documentary about it. Um, and for anyone that's interested, the documentary is titled Transformer, and it's pretty much on all your streaming sources out there. And uh, well, then that uh, led to I, I was already speaking a lot and like doing seminars for strength training and all of that. But then I started getting requests to speak about my story of being trans and um, started speaking at a lot of different events and conferences. And then that became more and more. And I really enjoyed that, felt it was really impactful and important. So three years ago, I decided to leave my pharmacy career to focus on speaking and writing hundred percent and that was going great and then COVID hit <laughs> and uh everything got canceled like all you know all the all the conferences and seminars got shut down and I went from being booked for all of 2020 to being like okay well what do I do now and um fortunately I had a little money saved and uh but you know it, it was I, I needed I, I knew going forward well who knows how long it's going to be before speaking and stuff comes back around I needed to have a plan b and uh, so after a little while, I saw the gyms were starting to open back up. And that was something I'd been going back and forth on for about a decade. And I'd always wanted to do. And I said, well, hey, here's an opportunity. Everything's opening back up. Sure, it's a little risky. I'm rolling the dice. But you know what? Let's let's do it. Let's go all in and build the kind of gym I want to build and you know, really cater to the strength community. And uh, so, yeah, that was I took possession of the building about a year ago and opened May 1st of last year. So we've been open a little over 10 months. And so far, things are going well. Awesome. Awesome. And <laughs> great job on summarizing a lot of things in a short period of time there. You did a much better job than I, than I think uh, I could ever do with your, your uh, word economy there. So, um, you know, you said you, you built the type of gym that you would have liked to go to or drew from experiences of, you know, for anybody listening to this, our audience is gym owners trainers, people in the business, we all know, we all have that dream gym in our mind. And, and you said, you know, um, you had a, a home gym that was well equipped, but still it's, it's 1800 square feet, there are always limitations. So you kind of get the best of both worlds in the way of, hey, this is what I love. I'm passionate about it. I've got credibility in the space. Um, I you, you had those ingredients. But there was some uncertainty on whether a gym that was so specialized had a place in the market. So talk a little bit about how you came to the conclusion or what type of research or what made you feel like, yes, I can have a, a powerlifting focused 
uh, although welcoming to other things, a powerlifting focused gym with all this specialized equipment, it's going to work in my market uh, and, and made you really feel like you could take the plunge, take the risk. Yeah. So that, you know, like I said, it's something I'd been considering for a long time and, and, uh, but was always concerned about, you know, the gym industry is so competitive. There's so much competition out there. I mean, around here, there's gyms, it feels like on every corner. And, um, and it was just like, can a, a gym that caters to, you know, a pretty specific community, can that be financially viable? But what I realized was with the, with the current, um, you know, focus of so many of the big gyms all really going like more fitness center focused and more general fitness and even some of the older hard hardcore, um, you know, chains like Powerhouse kind of going more mainstream where they kind of a lot of them discourage deadlifting, you can't use chalk, you can't, um, you know, don't make too much noise, all those kind of things. What I realized was that opened up a place in the market for a gym like mine, because the, the serious lifters in your old school throwback lifters were, you know, felt like they were being pushed out and they had no place to go and no place they could really call home. And I knew guys were getting kicked out of gyms where they would have been welcomed before. And so that is what made me realize like, you know what, there is a place in the market for a gym like this and I just have to do it right. And connect to the right, the big, the biggest challenge has been getting the word out to those people that we exist. Yeah. So I want to um, talk a little bit about the the demographics and economics of having a niche specialty gym like yours how much time did you spend really crunching numbers looking at you know the the population of of novi is around sixty thousand, and it's detroit metro and uh the economics you know the you know what are the income levels uh how many clients do i want how big of a space do i need like how much back and forth was there on figuring out where you thought your exact layout would be best? What did that planning process look like? Um, yeah, I did. Actually, I did quite a bit of research. Um, I looked at all the demographics and um, yeah, the, I can, within a five mile radius, there's a couple hundred thousand people within a 10 mile radius. I've got about a half a million people. And, um, and then I knew where the other strength gyms were. There was one gym that's very strongman focused, but also had a handful of power lifters that was like 15, uh, 20 minutes away. And then another very focused powerlifting gym that was fairly popular about 45 minutes away. And then a few were smaller, like key club type places. Um, but yeah, I did a lot of research on the demographics, the average, like the average base income in this area is around $90,000 a year. And, um, and then there's, and then I really wanted to put a gym. So in the Metro Detroit area, there's an intersection where three major highways are, um, I-275, 96, and 696. And I wanted to be near that junction to make it accessible where people could come from all directions. Um, and uh, so I was really looking for something in that area. And I knew like, in the, it's a nice, it's a, you know, it's all relative, but it, it's what most people would consider a nicer area. And, um, you know, I knew that that meant, you know, rents can be a little more expensive, um, but I wanted to be off a, a, you know, a major road and near, near those highways. And it just worked out. I, I, you know, I was looking for several months for a suitable facility and I had found other ones and I was looking for something between five and 10,000 square feet. I really wanted to be closer to 10. Um, and I knew anything less than four was just going to be too small. And, um, but then, you know, with, with, uh, the rates of rent and everything, I knew like, I really was probably going to need to be closer to five just because the initial startup costs were going to be so much and then trying to, you know, build a membership and, and be able to, you know, pay your lease and everything else every month. 
So I ended up, uh, but I ended up finding a place that I was really happy with, right located exactly where I wanted to be. I'm off of, you know, a couple of main drags and near, right near the highway of the, the intersection of those three, 5,000 square feet. And it had 1,500 square feet of um, office, like office slash lobby space up front that we've established the cardio equipment. And then we have like, you know, a little lobby area with couches, pool table, made it a place where people can hang out afterwards. And we do like people come in the afternoon, there'll be me and some of the members shooting pool and hanging out. And, and then, you know, we have team parties occasionally and, and, uh, and then the back was just open warehouse. So then we, you know, we had to outfit that whole thing. It was just bare concrete floors and busted up drywall. And, uh, but yeah, redid all that over about a two month period and, and it's worked out really well, but yeah, there was a lot of research and fortunately like me having been in the industry so long, I had a handful of friends who already owned gyms. And, um, so I spoke to them a lot, got all their recommendations and, and I knew a couple of people that really knew that side of the business. And then the other thing was when I first got out of the Marines, um, when I was going to college to pharmacy school, I worked as a personal trainer and, and managed a small gym back home where I grew up at in a real small town. And granted, that was a very different demographic. It's like one of those deals where you're the only gym in town. But I watched him open that gym. I came in right after it opened and then um, help, like kind of helped him with he was partnering with other people to open a bunch of other gyms and other small towns in the in the area. This is like in northern Michigan. So I had a lot of experience of seeing what he did, how he marketed the gym and, and did different things. And and uh, it was a very different demographic than what I'm looking at. But I was very familiar with how the gym world works and, and just having, you know, I was the kid that was hitching a ride before I had a driver's license with the older kids in high school to go train at the, you know, the, any of the local gyms. And, and um, yeah, so just kind of been in that world my whole life, but yeah, there was plenty of research and that was, and that was, you know, I had no idea coming into this. I had never had a phys, I, I had two LLCs, um, but they were like related to my speaking and coaching and other things. I had never owned a physical location. So then figuring out, okay, well, what is, what is rent around here for, you know, per square foot? What, what should I be looking at in a building? What are red flags? What kind of things do I need to think about? And all the stuff that was totally foreign to me. So yeah, I did a lot of research in that area and it, and it really paid off. And there's still been some unforeseen stuff and, you know, it's just, it's part of the game and things have happened, you know, issues with the building, like the AC didn't work in the summertime and had some issues with the heating, roof leaking. We had some bad storms and, but you know, any, any small business owner can tell you that's just, you know, part of the game. Yeah, it, it sure is. So you get the building, you get it built out, you get it ready for prime time. And then, you know, it's it's not field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. It's you got to promote it. So um, how much of that was you leveraging, you know, people that you knew in the area? You have a we'll, we'll call it a pretty large social media following. Um, you can be humble about it, but, um, you know, definitely, definitely past what a lot of a quote influencers might say, but, um, and then there's, you know, your traditional advertising means presale, things like that. So what did you do to start getting the bodies through the door and, and start paying some bills? So luckily for me, like being known in the industry and, and being known locally, I had a handful of people like waiting to sign up as soon as we opened the doors wasn't enough to pay all the bills, but it got me a good jump right off the bat. Like we signed up 50 members. I actually had like about 20 members that signed up before I even opened the doors that wanted to come in. As soon as I had like 50% of the equipment here, I had people begging me to come in and start training before we even had the doors open. So that, that helped a lot, but you know, it was, it wasn't enough to even cover, you know, like my month to month costs, but at least got me off the ground. So it wasn't like I opened the doors and there's nobody I had, you know, roughly 50 people kind of waiting, but 
but the thing was with the local you know community there's only so many power lifters and they were all aware of me but the trick was like letting people that were still the kind of athlete that would want to be here but weren't familiar with me or just maybe weren't competitive power lifters but still want that type of gym and that's been the biggest challenge and social media well, it, it's great for getting the word out. Like it's great for getting the world out, you know, all over the world. But, you know, for a gym owner, you need to target like, you know, primarily any gym owner will tell you that 90% or 95% of your members are going to come within a 15 minute radius. And so it's, you need to be able to reach those people. And there's a lot of competition in this area. Um, I've got a lot of big popular gyms within a couple of miles of me. But the thing was, I knew like if, if, if all the members there knew I was here, there's a, there's a good handful enough. What I would need to be successful would rather train in a gym like mine than a big corporate place. But yeah, that's been the big trick is how to, how to reach those people, how to market to them, how to get the word out. And some of it's been word of mouth, you know, people come in, they like the gym, they um, you know, they tell people about it. And over time, that's going to have a snowball effect. The more members you get, the more they talk about it. But initially that was the biggest challenge. And uh, I'll tell you what's been important. And this is like no brainer stuff for most business owners, but the SEO stuff on the internet, make sure your, your place is Google searchable. Make sure there's descriptions on there that accurately describe what your facility is like. Make sure you have a website up that does a good job of promoting your gym. And uh, that, the biggest thing with people that have come here that didn't know who I was and weren't really in that community. You know, I, I always ask every time I sign somebody up or somebody comes in for a tour. Um, the first thing I ask him is, Hey, do you mind if I ask how you heard about the gym? You know, I want to know where they're coming from. And in 90, probably 99% of the time, it's like, well, I Google search powerlifting gyms or I Google searched old school gyms. And, uh, you know, there's somebody who's looking for a serious strength training atmosphere. And that's almost always how they find me. And they're like, yeah, I pull your gym up on the website and, you know, you've got good pictures of what the gym looks like and, and got excited about it. And then I have a feature on my website that this is where I've gotten 90 plus percent of my tours from is that it just says, you know, right on the homepage, right on the top, you know, click, click for a tour to schedule. And then the person puts their name in there, date and time they want to come. It sends me an email. I reach out to them and, you know, their preferred method, whether it's text, call, email, whatever. And um, that's been a really good way to get people in here. Um, but I just, and I recently hired, one thing I realized too, is that my initial, I think, and everybody does this and it's hard when you're starting up, there's a lot of costs. You're not generating a lot of revenue, but I realized like trying to take on everything myself was just using up all of my time in ways that wasn't the best. I, you know, I, I realized, okay, I need to do what I do well. And that's like, talk to people, coach people, you know, you know, help people in the gym, help them with their training and, and be the face of the gym. And what I, I'm not a tech person. I'm not, um, I'm not, a, I'm actually not a good promoter, even though I have a decent um, social media following, that's not really me. And uh, so what I realized was, you know, I hired a cleaning service. Um, I hired, you know, a company that comes and stocks all my paper towels, toilet paper and all that stuff. And that just took a lot off my plate. And then I hired a um, social media person to run our social media pages. And right now I've just hired a company to revamp my website and install more things. Like I, we run, we're running competitions at my gym too, probably, you know, two to three a year plus seminars and making it, um, updating the website to where it's more seamless for people to, you know, promote these for me to promote these things for people to sign up for them and uh, do all that. But I, I realized like, you know what, sub out the stuff you that, that other people do better than you, obviously within reason within your budget, 
but let the experts handle what they do well and focus on what you do well. If you're trying to be a Jack or Jill of all trades, it's, it's going to be very difficult and it's probably going to pull your time away from the areas where you should be focused. Yeah, that's um, to be only 10 months in and realize that uh, there's there are a lot of a lot of gym owners that that stay, you know, one person operation and try to wear all the hats and, you know, do these like low return on investment or, you know, things that are just out of their niche. Some of it's fear, you know, if I pay somebody, you know, what am I going to do? Um, but if you have the realization that, hey, my skill set is an X, Y, Z, and you can you can do some math around that and, and what it generates. So, you know, if I can make $50 this hour and pay somebody 15, I'm positive here where a lot of people get tripped up as they pay the person the 15 and then they don't go do the 50. Mm-hmm. And now they're just negative 15 and they're, you know, they're, they're playing on Twitter or something like that. So it sounds yeah. like you, you crack the code on that pretty early. So, so good for you in that. So, um, you have ideas, you have things in the works of how you're, you know, continuing to grow membership. You're realizing what your strengths and weaknesses are, what roles you want to, because you also, it's not just what should I be doing in the business? What do you want to do? Otherwise you just have a job you're miserable at. So there's that. So what comes next? What's in the future? I know it's only 10 months, but is it, Hey, if we get the gym to this point, maybe I'll look for, you know, to expand my space or, go to another space or what, or, or would you like to get the gym to a point where maybe you didn't need to be there as much and, and hopefully go back out on the speaking and education circuit? What does that look like to kind of, kind of wrap things up here? Yeah. So, yeah. So I want to, so I signed a five-year lease and um, so I'm going to be here for five years, but uh, there's like the office space in front, the lobby area that just has a drop in ceiling. One of the things I'd like to do is build out a, a, a true ceiling above here. The building has it's like a warehouse type building and it has 16 foot ceilings. And I'd love to build a permanent floor on top of the lobby area and then be able to move. So I've also got like, you know, we're focused on powerlifting. We've got strongman equipment. I've got, you know, sandbags and and then a full thing of kettlebells. And we've got a small strip of turf that runs down one side of the gym for sled pushing and dragging and stuff like that. But then we also have, I now I've gotten in competitively into jujitsu and I was a longtime wrestler and uh, we've got Muay Thai bags. We've got a couple of heavy bags. We've got climbing ropes, gymnastic rings and, and wrestling mats. And um, so what I want to do is build out the area above the lobby, move the MMA style stuff up there. And then eventually I've already talked to some of my coaches where I train about um, having them teach some classes here with jujitsu and things like that. And, um, and then so expanding there and making more room for more equipment down here where I've done a really, I always joke that I'm good at playing gym Tetris and I've, I've been able <laughs> to skill. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so I've been able to squeeze a lot of equipment into the space we have. And, but we're pretty much, we're pretty close to being maxed out right now. Um, but I'm always trying to upgrade everything and, and, um, you know, add a little more, you know, bring, bring what people want and what I want. It's like, I, you know, I joke with people when they, when I, they first sign up, I always tell them like, Hey, I built the gym I wanted and hoped other people would like it. But you know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, they want that same kind of thing, the old school throwback gym, that's all business and has that atmosphere. And the cool thing about having a smaller gym is we, you know, it's like a family or team type atmosphere. People, everybody gets to know everybody and you get a, you get a good community going. And uh, so that's been a big part of it as well. Um, but yeah, as far as like future plans, I'd like to expand that. Um, 
at Asana and, um, and we have two restrooms that are, um, that are decent size where people can change and stuff like that. But I'd like to add a couple showers as well. And then um, eventually move on from this space and expand to some place. I'd like to be at least 10,000 square feet, maybe, maybe a little bigger. Um, and then, uh, you know, just keep growing, keep adding more things and uh, like bring things like bringing on trainers that have their own client base, um, bringing on, um, like I said, jujitsu classes and maybe some other type, you know, like do some group training with strongman or powerlifting and keep hosting more seminars and competitions. One thing I really want to get into too is hosting some high level pro powerlifting competitions. That's one thing the sport really lacks. There's only a few, there's only a handful of contests out there that really pay out any decent money. And I don't feel like anyone's done a great job of promoting the sport in a long time. Like back in the 1980s, powerlifting used to be on Saturday afternoon, mainstream TV, and then it kind of fell away and it's never come back and people will be like oh the sport's too boring but really i mean and don't get me wrong i love golf but is golf the most exciting sport in the world to sit by and watch and but it's super popular it's just people need right. to be able to relate to it and now with more people than ever strength training i mean now you have everybody that's taught strength training like by junior high and people know what a bench press is people know what a squat is people know what a deadlift is and i think with the right person promoted the right way powerlifting can become a much bigger sport and can be much more lucrative for the athletes. And so that's on my radar too, as far as promoting some bigger pro shows and growing the prize money and all of that, that's really an area I want to expand into as well. So it looks like uh, plenty of things to keep you busy. Life is not going to get boring for you anytime soon. No, 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 that's, that's, uh, you know, it's one of those things too. People always, I don't, I, believe it or not, I don't sleep a lot. And generally it's because, yeah, it's just, there's always things going on and stuff to do. And, and uh, but that's not a bad thing, but yeah, just, you know, keeping, keeping focused. And I mean, I'm, and I'm like anybody else, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I, you know, I do my best to grind, but yeah, do I fall down a YouTube hole, hole occasionally? <laughs> sure. You know, it's 3am and I'm like, why am I watching this? <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but yeah, staying focused day to day and, and just not, I think the hard part for a lot of business owners too is not like freaking out when things aren't going as well as you hoped, or there's challenges, or you run into stuff. And like I've, you know, I've had some issues with the building, and and uh, you know, membership did pretty well at first, and we kind of had a lull like in the you know late summer, early fall. And um, and the thing is too, I don't do contracts, and I don't lock anybody into anything. The way I looked at it, my vision was first of all, I don't like that as a long, you know, lifelong like gym member. I hated being you know, all that kind of the business side of it. And I get the reason for it. Um, but I didn't want to do business that way. And I wanted, I figured if I provided the right place and the right atmosphere and the right equipment and all of that, I want members that want to be here. I don't need to trap them into staying. And, um, but the downside of making it so easy for people to come and go, having no contracts and, and having like no cancellation fees. And um, is that it does like, you know, people that aren't as serious or get distracted or get busy with other things. It's very easy for them. Just, they just call me up and say, Hey, I want to put my membership on hold or I'm taking the summer off. And like in Michigan with all four seasons, the summertime here, everybody, like a lot, there's a lot of lakes and a lot of outdoorsy stuff. And a lot of people, they spend the summer on their boat on the lake. And so I realized right away after that initial sign up, a lot of people were like, Hey, I'm going to take the summer off. I'll be back in the fall. And um, so there was a little bit of challenge there. There was more turnover than I was expecting, but fortunately we've continued to grow slowly, but steadily and, and um, things are looking good, but yeah. And that, that first year for everyone is tough. Like it, it's just, you know, that's a hard part getting growing and getting to where you can, you know, just cover your bills. It, it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle, but 
just staying focused, keep your head down, keep going forward. And, uh, you know, just don't give up because it's, uh, it's not, it's not even going to be easy. Even with me having the advantage of being known in the industry, it's still, there's been some challenging times and I'm sure there'll be more challenging times ahead of me. Well, I have, I have a strong feeling, no pun intended that you'll be up for the task, whatever, whatever this, this venture throws at you and, and the other ones. So, um, before we let you go, if people want to find you, find the gym, get more information, follow you online. Uh, what do you got? Social medias, websites, give it to us all. Yeah. Yeah. Website crocsgym.com and, uh, croc is K R O C. And so just crocsgym.com, uh, Instagram, the same. And, uh, yeah. And then my personal websites, jademariecroc.com. Same thing on Instagram. If people are interested in following me there, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I'm not, not too hard to find. Just Croc K-R-O-C. That's the part to remember. Crocs Jim. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here with us today. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to uh, keeping in touch and seeing how the gym progresses and your other ventures. Uh, it, yeah, just thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me on. I sincerely appreciate it. You're very welcome. And to everyone out there listening, as always, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to be with us. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you'd like to hear more, hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, Head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. Jeff McCurley of Brady's Run Fitness, coming to you from Pennsylvania. Jeff, what is going on, man? How are you today? Oh, just out the window, hoping the snow melts out here today. <laughs> enough of it for this winter. And yeah, you're you're certainly up in my part of the country. I, I get so jealous when I do this interview and it's somebody in like Southern California or New Mexico or whatever it is, but you share my pain on this. Jeff, exactly. obviously we're here to talk about Brady's Run Fitness. This is your gym. Take us about, take us back in time. I want to know what was going through your mind about five or six years ago when the idea came into your head, hey, I think I want to open a gym. Talk to us about that. What was going on for you? Sure. Yeah. Like uh, um, I had an athletic background, always loved fitness, uh, played football, brief stint in the NFL, injuries came out and went right into working for G&G Fitness as a life fitness hammer strength dealer selling commercial fitness. So I was always in and out of weight rooms, still very tied into that community, uh, the fitness aspect of things. And, you know, as the sales go, and even if you love your job and what you're doing, you know, you kind of start to get a little burnout on that sales type. So I worked there 15 years, about halfway through, uh, I kind of said, all right, what, what can we start to build to kind of transition to get out? Um, and having access to the equipment, it, it I said, all right, well, let's explore.
for this option of, of, of up a gym and, you know, having some large customers and, and universities and selling a facility and a brand new weight room, even though theirs might only be three years old, but they want it to look nicer, you know, at most of these major college programs, I would, I was purchasing back equipment. I began to kind of stockpile the good pieces, the bad pieces, uh, what I'd like to see in the gym. Um, actually it fell through once I had a partner, we were going to kind of start to do something. This was three years prior to us opening and fell through about three years, a year and a half later started revisiting. Cause I wanted to find a local location that would be easiest for us to access. The building came up, um, had access to some great equipment at that exact same time. And it was just kind of the storm that our facilities from our house, you know, had all that equipment and everything. The building came up for sale and it just, it just worked out really well. So, yeah. And, and so here you are, right. A number of years later, you're a gym owner. Talk to us about that time. What's your experience been as the entrepreneur owning a gym? Yeah, it's been exciting. You know, it's, I, I, you know, it's awesome. It is, it's your baby down and, you know, in, Owning the building and doing some different things too. Um, I customized everything. I mean, we did a lot of the work ourselves. My it's basically, we don't have any employees or contractors. It was myself, my father-in-law, my dad, my uncle. We did tons of. We really customized it to exactly what he kind of wanted down there. You know, we transitioned out. I, I still worked for three years prior to that, and I quit at G and G right before the pandemic hit you know building the business it was it was really satisfying to grow so quickly to a point where i'm comfortable in my full-time job that this is going to support my family in doing this is my full-time job so it's been you know that's been really exciting obviously you know there's a lot of work that goes along with that but seeing the growth and, and being able to transition into that part of our life and get out away from the nine to five was, was great. For sure. And it certainly isn't quite in the nine to five realm anymore. You're probably far outside traditional work hours. Mm -hmm. Jeff, give us an idea. I mean, the, the meat and potatoes of this is in the open gym sort of atmosphere, people paying a monthly membership, coming, doing their own workout and going as they please. What other services do you guys layer on top of that? We have a lot of, uh, as we call it, value added type services. So we have, we have a staff of trainers that come in, uh, can help you out with that. Uh, we have our group area and, and have, as far as the meat and is that membership gym area is about 6,000 square feet. Our group training area, athletic training area is 4,000 square feet. We also offer classes. We have a boxing and barbells uh, certification of our trainers to teach those classes uh we do some ball classes and some different things back there and again it's not a in a large added membership fee you either pay for all the group classes just the general gym membership those are the added value type things that we can offer that a lot of the other people can't so that area can be customized to whatever the trends in fitness are at that time to try to keep that retention of the members that we have mm. um, and not have to 
bring in a ton of new ones or change the price points dramatically and those type of things. Yeah, having that sort of catch-all utility sort of space is really advantageous because of what you said, right? We can use that for group classes. We can host a seminar. We can host a competition. We can do any number of things with that space without having to rearrange the entirety of the facility that is providing the majority of our revenue, right? It's sort of a bonus room, if you will. Talk to us a little bit about the membership overall. How many people do we have and what do they typically pay to come and work with you guys? Well, we have a a general membership fee is kind of in line with a lot of the other gyms around here. So we do offer 24 hour access to the gym. So it's by key fall, go in and out. That's a $45 membership. We would upcharge then if access to that back area, either to work out individually or classes, um, a $65. And that would include our daily classes that we provide. Now in that back area, we also, you know, have our athletic training. So we could have anything from a team, a, the girl cross team of 20 girls training down there and transition right into our boxing and barbells class. And then, you know, open it up for open gym access yep. back there. So right now we just have a tiered structure. Um, okay. we, we have the majority, probably 80% just have our general membership at that 45. And then um, we have that upcharge for the $65, probably about 20% of the membership currently. Gotcha. Okay. So somewhere between 45 and 65 is that average. Mm -hmm. What about the, the total membership? Is that something that you guys are looking to increase right now? We are. We have a we have a younger demographic, which includes a lot of um, college students. So our peaks and swings, as far as looking at numbers or things are kind of the opposite. Sometimes our large number is in the summer. A lot of the college students, our, our base membership is very consistent, very consistent. So yeah, we're right around 350 memberships. We also offer some insurance programs, which we mount on the other side. So we have what about 150 people come through the facility per day as well. Okay, sure. And so this type of model typically goes one of two ways. Either we're trying to go pure volume, trying to climb that membership number as high as possible, or focusing on how can we better utilize the people that we have and serve them at higher capacity, which, which one, I mean, there's, there's always a gray area in the middle, but which path do you think is going to be more successful for you guys? No, always been on that second path where, where okay. we want to continue to grow a membership. And I do have a soft number kind of in mind. Once we hit that number, of our membership i'd like to look at it and see if that's sustainable and now you know we could even cut off memberships or make it more of type of an exclusive type thing offer a premium and continue to build on our added value type things and yep. then what comes along with that and offer a more premium price um and the same thing goes along you know as mark not bringing back bringing always bringing in new members and trying to build that 
but even just marketing to some of our past members and say, okay, we added this value here. You know, maybe you left six months ago, got tired, but, and especially with the pandemic, we, we need pushing back and showing as everything gets now open up. Here's the, here's the added, since the last time you were here, we have a ton more added value. So you mm -hmm. come down, you know, and, and like I said, I do want to, to a number where we say all right let's look at this model right now and see how we can really just focus on our members and not building that number yeah what is that number is that like a capacity restriction or is that a number in your head that you think that we can effectively serve this number of people initially my five year was to get to 400 members and then kind of reevaluate there we're at about 350 we're, we're very close to number um, as I talked to you previously a little bit, the position that we've had in the back from having a CrossFit affiliate to yep. running it on our own and doing those type of things has kind of skewed that number because it dropped down and now it's gone back up and we're getting very close. So, I mean, we, from my perspective, I think, and, and my wife's both, as we talk about um, what we've done down there, and we've even had some outside basketball courts and things, is all primarily geared 100% toward reaching that I'd say it's probably more towards a 450 number comfortable with just based off of you know making it the best experience for the person that down there so I'd say sure. in that 75 to membership where we really want to start focusing on that. yeah Jeff I I find that people in this sort of business model I used to have uh, I used to be a part of an Equinox in New York and we would get all different signups for what was essentially the open gym aspect of this with the intention of having them in some sort of consultation to then refer them to personal training or group training or whatever other services. How are you guys steering people towards those add-on values that you talk about? Uh, as far as our personal training, we usually do, do have, because we do offer the trainers um, some we're going to do a, a, a brief consultation with either my wife or, or myself, kind of direct because everyone has their niche, obviously, you know, some people are more general fitness, we have some straight athletic training, you know, bodybuilding, and those type of things. So we look at that and steer. I always just because I'm a fan of group fitness, I think it's fun. I think it motivates people. Our gym facility is not separated, so you can always see the classes that are going on. So it's always, hey, come on, come back here. You know, you don't have to come back and don't worry about the five dollar class or what. Just come back and try it and see if you like it. So we're always promoting that, um, just because it it's the community experience of of the gym. That's what we try to provide, really, a community experience. Sure. As much as we can offer and try to push these people to get out of their comfort zone where they can really help themselves. That's, that's where we really kind of try to separate ourselves as, Hey, let's, let's, let's try to push our clients out of their comfort zone into something that's really going to be beneficial. Yeah. So. It's, it's funny because there's two ways to look at it and it's either people see it as shysty, pushy used car salesy sort of atmosphere or the complete opposite approach of like, listen, I have your best interest in mind. I know that this is really going to benefit you. Mm -hmm. Here's X, Y, and Z options, how to try it. 
And if we can come at it from that second version, much more than the first version, we're obviously going to have a higher utilization of these services, but we're going to have a much happier clientele in the long run. Yeah. And that's, that's really I'm a, I'm an pretty, unspoken metric when it comes to running a business. Exactly. I'm pretty poor. And, and it even goes back to the sales days of, yeah, I'm pretty poor at collecting that $5 drop-in fee. If I talk someone in back, in fact, if I'm, if I'm talking to someone, Hey, come back here and, and let's do this, uh, you know, pairs class or couples class together or, or partner class, I'm sorry, together. I'm not going to make them pay for that. They're just coming back. I want them to start to get that experience because I know, and we, there are certain people in the that my wife and I both identify, come on, you know, I think we can get them back here because it's really going to help them out. If they, if they come back and do one boxing class a week, it's going to help their, their right. cardio, you know, th their calorie burn so much. It's going to really make a difference. So no, that's a hundred percent where we approach it. It's not, Hey, go sign up for that $20 package and come out. It's, these are going to help you just come and do what you can. And you can kind of go from there if you want to start dropping in or if you want to move up. So it's, it's really not about getting that additional fee. It's about letting them experience all the, you know, that we have to offer. So a hundred percent. And, and Jeff, I mean, we've explored, the how and the what you do currently paint me a picture of the future here where are you guys striving big picture vision what's what's the end goal for brady's run fitness sure well I kind of explained what the inside of the facility was um so we have the, the large training space in the back the general gym what we actually did this summer is added a batting cage we added a basketball courts uh, versa courts we have an outdoor obstacle type thing again these are all kind of things that kind of came to fruition at different parts but during this summer you know we said let's let's explore that so as far as the gym side of things go we want to look at it exactly as you've just we've, we've kind of discussed we're going to continue to grow that membership to a certain degree and then look to add that value you know even the basketball court all those type of things are added values to what our core customers are. Now, what we want to do with that training space and the outdoor space is where we're really just kind of starting right now. Market that to leagues, uh, to different training people that can come down. So as far as where we're going, you know, gym is it's, it's really an exciting, busy time as the weather clears up now and we can start accessing some of that outside um you know uh, fitness things that we, we've put together there so we have a lot of stuff in mind how quickly we can get to them and do those type of things but we want to you know just continue to grow and, and make this really the first class facility so yeah and and jeff i mean it's tremendously exciting this business model allows you to go in so many different directions and build on so many different layers to the core service that you provide and so it'll be interesting to see what the next evolution yeah, of think, brady's run fitness looks like yeah, you know really with with all that we offer and again you said that that area could be used in the back when we were discussing before could be used at a conference or whatever well we need to seriously look at now what we offer as utilizing that area for either a conference or renting out that area because we offer so many different things back in that. So it's kind of a complete different side of the business and catering more towards, 
you know, a, a gym atmosphere, um, birthday party or something like that. So there's, there's really directions we can go with it. And that's kind of why just making everything as versatile as possible and, and giving us the options whenever, whenever we can to change direction on, you know, the snap of a finger. Yep. And, and Jeff, I mean, you, you and I could go on hours and hours, I'm sure, and talk about different aspects of what you guys do. But as we kind of approach the end of our time here, where can people find out a little bit more about this? Is there a website? We do. We have a runfitness.com. Um, you can go there. My wife does a great job with all social media. So um, yeah, Brady's Run Fitness on Instagram, Facebook um, is where she puts the majority of that stuff. And it's almost, it's almost a daily recording of what's going on in the gym. If you guys want to along and follow us as what we do and um, some different things, those are great way to go go ahead and, and follow us on those pages got it well jeff i mean it's it's always fascinating for me to kind of dig into entrepreneurs mindsets and see what makes them tick and, and really wh why they do what they do and so I, it's been a fascinating conversation i really really appreciate you coming on and contributing to the podcast we'll have to get you on again here down the road once uh we can see what the future holds for you. How does that sound? Yeah, that'd be great. It's been great having this conversation too. Stimulating, you know, you kind of, we're in the deep freeze down here. It's great to have a good conversation. About there you go. Perfect. Well, Jeff, thank you for your time. To everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the industry, Click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I am here with Zach from Strength and Physique in Arlington, Texas. What's up, Zach? How are you today? Well, yourself, ma'am. Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. All righty. So let's just jump right into the details here. What is it that made you want to own your own facility? I've been in the business for over 21 years. For 14 years, I worked for the same facility in Chicago, relocated to Texas, um, did some training out of two independent facilities, um, did not like how 
their facilities were run, cleanliness, um, availability, things of that nature, the equipment. Um, so I just, I had to go and open my own facility. I couldn't deal with, you know, someone else's inability to have a competent facility. Yeah. Absolutely. I think a lot of times uh, when you do have experience prior to opening your own facility, you learn more so what not to do than what to do. And those can be more important lessons than learning what to do. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I can appreciate that myself for sure. Uh, so as far as your business model goes, how are you structuring your training? What types of services do you offer within the four walls of your business? Uh, we offer in-person semi-private training, um, which allows us to train multiple people at the same time with different backgrounds, skill sets, um, age, gender differences. Um, we're not looking at a small group. Um, I'm gonna have a session with a 74 year old grandma, uh, 25 year old, you know, fresh out of college accountant who's trying to get on stage and do bikini, uh, middle-aged businessmen, all, it's all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, and this allows us to service a lot of people at the same time, allows us to cut the cost that they're paying to come in the facility. Um, and it's a win for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I like the, uh, the semi-private model there because it does allow you to serve more clients. So a lot of times the the one-on-ones are great, but you can only take on so many clients throughout your day with the one-on-one -on -one sessions uh, and you end up kind of capping out pretty quickly. You cap out and then like this morning, 9 a.m., I was scheduled for six people. Um, one's a nurse, she had stuck at work, so she rescheduled for Saturday. One, another lady was sick. So I ended up with four people. With right. the one-on-one, -on -one, if I would have lost either one of those, I'm done for the hour. Mm -hmm. um, this way, I still had four people come in the facility, worked with them. One person rescheduled, one person sick. If I was doing a one-on-one -on -one and that person was sick, I wouldn't be able to charge them for that session. Right. Um, so I'd be completely out. This yeah. allowed me to still, you know, bring in revenue for for four people for an hour, and I still made money. People still had their services. Everyone was happy. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, your time is valuable. So. It, scheduling yourself for a one-on-one -on -one and somebody doesn't show, you know, that's an hour that somebody else could have had. So it's definitely a good idea to have multiple people within one session so that you can service more people at the same time while still providing that same level of service. They still get that one-on-one -on -one attention. It's just with a couple of other people as well. All righty. So how many clients are you currently serving within the facility as a whole right now? Uh, Myself, including two other trainers, 75, I personally service 60 clients. Okay. So that's, that's quite a bit for you. So as far as your, what does your day-to-day -day look like? How many hours are you spending typically in the gym on a day-to-day -day basis? I mean, generally I'm in here from open to close, um, but I try to schedule myself um, in packs. So generally Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'll work from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. straight through, and generally I'm doing anywhere from three to six people an hour. Okay. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays are lighter days for me. I have other office work to do and things of that nature. And then Saturdays, we're open from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m., and generally, again, it's going to be five, six people an hour. Okay. Day. 
All right, so you do still have some time anyway to focus on the actual business side of things. So that's a plus. I know that, you know, a lot of times gym owners get, I don't want to say stuck on the floor because it is that passion for training people typically that uh, gets you started within opening your own facility. But a lot of times gym owners want to take on as many clients as they possibly can. So they're spending their entire day on the floor training, and then they're not able to focus on the business side of things. And then things start to get lost there. They're really not tracking things, not paying attention to the numbers. uh, And that can get a little bit messy. So uh, it's good that you are actually able to take some of that time and focus on some of those things as well. Well, it's taken me time to get there. When I yes. originally opened the facility, I would work from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., 10 p.m. at night. Mm-hmm. My last client would start at nine o'clock at night, and then I'd still have to clean the facility. Right. Um, since then, I've been able to scale my my time on the floor back. Uh, hiring two trainers has helped that. And it allows me to, like you said, do more things to run the business. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, I worked for the same facility for 14 years in Chicago, and I saw exactly what you're saying the owner would be on the floor way too much and he wasn't doing the business side. He was doing the training side. Right. And that hurts the business. You're Absolutely. trying to do a good thing. I understand the intentions and you want to service people, but you have to have limitations and you have to have time to let your business to, you know, sp- focus on your business growing. You're not going to grow your business when you're working with people on the floor. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure that that's where some of those things that you didn't necessarily like about that facility, that was probably one of the reasons why some of those things were happening within that facility, because the owner was too busy focusing on other things to focus on some of the basic aspects of the business that really make a big difference. Yes. Absolutely. So as far as Acquiring new clients, um, getting new people in the door, seeing new faces monthly. How are we doing that? Are you doing any type of paid advertising through Facebook, Instagram, Google, anything like that? Or is it more organic? Um, I use two services, Thumbtack and Bark. Mm-hmm. I, get, I get leads off of there. Um, organically, I do get a lot of referrals from the clients that I have. Those are my best leads because they're coming in as a hot lead they already have an understanding what's going on they already have an idea of the experience they're going to have and there's no sales that person's already sold by whoever you provided a service for and they referred them um as far as paid ads i've done it in the past not the best success and Mm -hmm. i've veered away from that for now um i've worked with two business consulting companies and Right now, the one I'm working with, they don't want me to do paid ads. They want me to do organically and build my social media and work it from that aspect before we even get to spending money on ads. Okay. Yeah, I, it's a, a whole other ball game. the whole paid ads game is what I like to call it, um, because there's so much to it. It's like you have to make sure that you're targeting the right people. You have to make sure that your ad copy is on point. Um, you never know. I mean, I remember putting ads out there when I was in my facility, and one thing that I thought would do really well didn't, and then something that I thought was mediocre did really well. So you never really know. You just kind of have to test it out and see what happens. And I think a lot of people just kind of end up throwing money at them and just hoping like, oh, if I throw a little bit more money at it hopefully it will work but there's so much more to it and it can be a lot to take on if you're not sure exactly uh 
what's going on with like the Facebook algorithm, for example, you know, it's always changing and there's so much to keep up with. So yeah, it's, uh, it certainly can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, with that being said, though, a lot of times that's what gets you to that next level of growth, because obviously those organic leads are fantastic because like you said, they come in, they're already sold. There's no sales process there. It's like they walk in and they're ready to go. Um, but typically those that happens a little bit slower. So how many new faces would you say are you seeing per month right now with going the organic route? It's been a really good year for me. Um, mm -hmm. This week alone, I've had three brand new people come in and close. Uh, I have two more scheduled for this week and two more scheduled for next week. Those are all um, non-referrals. Those are cold leads coming in into the facility. Um, some have seen social media. A lot of it is just cold leads, but they, we get them in here and they just, the, the turnover rate is very well, very, very good. Well. Yeah, good. And then um, on the other side of that, so how is your retention? When people come in, they sign up, are they staying for a long period of time? How does that look for you? Uh, retention is very high. Um, I've had people that I've been in Texas with, working with since 2016 still here. Wow. Um, in Chicago, uh, like I said, I was at the facility for 14 years. Mm -hmm. I had clients that had been with me the entire 14 years. Wow. That's awesome. Um, yeah. It's just one of those things. You provide a good service. Mm -hmm. You care about people. Um, you make that connection with them. They're going to stick with you because you've helped them through life-changing experiences. Mm -hmm. They're not going to go someplace else. If you just don't focus on the money, just focus on doing your job and servicing those people, they'll stay. And yeah. sometimes they'll, they'll leave, but they'll always come back. I've had people come, you know, have left for a year or two and they still come back every time. Right. You yeah. know, they, they have different things, financial things. They might have death in the family, lost a job. Understandable. Um, last year during the pandemic, I lost a few people. Um, a few people, um, I trained them for free because they lost their job and they were struggling. And I knew that training was a stress relief. It's therapy. It's mm -hmm. something they needed in their life because they did not have a lot going on. So I, you know, aided on a few people and I trained them for free because they were good people. They're on hard times and I just wanted to give back. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you build a relationship with people over that extended period of time and they grow to trust you. And, you know, it's, that's, that's the way that you maintain clients. You provide a great service, you get them the results that they're looking for, and then they trust you. So they want to stay with you. They trust your input, your opinion on certain things. So um, that certainly helps as far as retaining clients over a long period of time. So as far as goals go within the business over the next six months to a year or so, what specifically are you focused on within the business? Within the business right now, the business group that I'm working with, um, I've switched to a monthly billing program. Mm -hmm. So we're working on um, monetary goals. Uh, the first goal was five 5,000 a monthly uh, reoccurring, and I've hit that. November is supposed to be 7,000 and reoccurring and I'm $980 shy of that. Um, and then for December, the goal is 10,000 and reoccurring. Um, since switching to the reoccurring billing, it has made my life a lot easier. Um, I've 
did not touch any of my current clients when I implemented this. I mm -hmm. left them on their old because I was generating about 10 to 15K a month. I left that alone. This is all new businesses have come come in. Um, I don't have to chase after people. It's yeah. a month, they're billed monthly. I don't have any problems. Um, I don't have someone coming to me like, hey, I don't get paid till next week. Can I pay you then? Which most of the times I would um, if I had that rapport with someone, but at the same time, I get put in a position where I can't go to like, I can't tell my landlord, hey, can I pay you next week? Right. I can't, you know, my mortgage, my car notes. Right. <laughs> I can't tell those people, hey, I get paid next week. Can I pay you then? Exactly. It doesn't work like that. So right. it has streamlined my business dramatically. Um, and I, I can see the numbers a lot better of what's coming in and out every month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so were you beforehand, were you on like a month to month agreement or were they just kind of paying you when they were due individually? Well, I would, I would have people that would pay per session and I'd okay. have people that were buying packages. Gotcha. Okay. So I know I have, I've had one lady, she trains four days a week. She's been here since 2016. She pays every session per session. Okay. And it's fine. I know, I know her. She's, she's on time. I've never had to ask for money. She just pays automatically. No worries. But when you start getting large numbers and you have people that are not always as good with that, it takes time and it's stressful that you have to chase after somebody for money and it just takes away from you being able to focus on your business. Yes, absolutely. So the more you can streamline that and not have to worry about, you know, A, B and C paying, you know, it's going to happen on the first, the fifth, whatever day of the month. Exactly. Then as a business, you can show a bank now like, Hey, I have these recurring charges every month. So if you need to get a loan, if you need to grow, if you need to do whatever, you can show that you're generating X amount of income right. every month mm -hmm. versus having a high fluctuation. Like I said, I was doing 10 to 15 K, but I might have 10 people buy a package in one month. So my numbers look really good. The next month I could be down because Dipping. those people are still running off those packages right. and it's not time for them to renew. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, monthly recurring revenue is it's so good for so many things but the main thing being that you can track it you know you can take a look and see like okay i'm expecting to have x amount of money next month coming in so it allows you to plan much better with that being said are these new memberships that are coming in are people on a month to month agreement or are they on like a six month agreement or a 12 month agreement how does that work um, it's a month to month agreement. Um, I have had a few people that have put in more and they're doing a three and six month agreement. Mm -hmm. um, there is an option for a 12 month agreement. Right now, I'm just happy with the month to month because that alone has taken off stress. If someone wants to pay more upfront and pay three months at a time, that's fine. But just yeah. the month to month reoccurring has made my life so much easier. And now I can look at my, my books a lot easier and see, I know exactly what I have coming in every month. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge game changer. Um, yeah. And are you using a processing system like MindBody or something? Uh, something Emergence. Like I use oh. Emergence. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It makes everything a lot easier, especially in the tracking and just knowing, like I say, what you got coming in. And then it also makes it easier to set goals too. Uh, yes. So yeah, that's huge. Um, 
Okay, so as far as next steps for the business itself, are you looking at expanding at all or are you, um, I know that's a lot of times that's always like the next thing that comes. Um, Expansion is always on the mind for a lot of gym owners. So, I, I have a possible opportunity to expand. Um, I still could, I still have room to grow in this facility. Um, but right down the street from me, a, another facility has opened up, which would allow me to double my space from 3,000 mm -hmm. square feet to 6,000 square feet. So right now I have a broker that's going through negotiations. If the numbers look right, um, it is a definite possibility. I just don't want to stretch myself too thin. Mm -hmm. If the numbers don't look right, I have plenty of time here. I'm not going to stress myself out because I've seen a lot of businesses do that where they try to grow too fast. Yeah. And having survived the pandemic, I don't want to lose my business because I simply got a space that was too big. The rent is too much. Yeah. I have to, you know, I don't want to spend too much on rent when mm -hmm. that space is not being utilized. So we're seeing what the broker can do. If it's, if it's, if it lines up and the numbers are there, great. If not, I'll wait until the time's right. Yeah, absolutely. It's a smart move. I think a lot of times that does happen. You know, you start to get kind of excited and, and take on something that's maybe a little bit larger than what your membership base can currently support. Um, so that can be very stressful as far as making rent and just covering your overhead and nobody nobody gets in business to break even you know at the end of the day uh or lose money a lot of times people in <laughs> in their businesses are losing money so that's definitely not why you open a business so um yeah not taking on too much too fast super important i think that happens a lot in the beginning you know when people want to open a facility it's like okay well i want to have the nicest facility the biggest facility with the shiniest equipment and Sure, that's great, except you have to be able to pay your bills at the end of the day. So yes. yeah, that's a great uh, piece of advice there. So let's see. So I, I love to ask every gym owner that I speak with the same question is, uh, and it's a little bit on the deeper side. Sometimes it requires you to think about it a little bit, but if you could snap your fingers and improve one thing within your business right now, what would that be and why? Um. For me, I'd say it's the social media. Yeah. I hate social media. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's why I'm in business classes that I am in because I'm developing it. Um, I just, a lot of times I feel like I'm too busy doing the work to sit down and do that work, but yes. I'm understanding the importance of that. Um, mm -hmm. If people don't get a view into what you have going on, they will never know about you. Um, cause I'll see some trainers, they're posting three, four times a day. They got posts going, but then I don't see them busy. Right. And I know That's why they're trainers. posting three to four times a day. Yeah. They have the time, right? <laughs> and then I know other trainers that are very busy and they're not posting at all or mm -hmm. very little. I know you need a balance in there. Um, because the social media allows you to get that organic outreach to people versus having paid ads and all that. Um, it's a way to touch people that might not know about you um, mm -hmm. or get someone interested. And I see the importance of it for a business. Um, and that I know is my weak area because 
it's not it's not my passion my passion right. is to work, work with people that is my passion the social media is not so i'm working with coaches and it is getting better but it's a process yeah for sure i mean i remember when i was in my facility i would be like 10 p.m and i would just get done at the end of the day and then be like shit i never posted on instagram or whatever you know so and it's like that's the last thing that I'm thinking about when I'm trying to run around and take in somebody on their first day and making sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And not only within the class that's going on, but the staff as well. So yeah, I mean, I can completely understand that aspect of things. It's like, that's like the last thing on your mind. And not only that, but providing valuable content as well, because you don't want to just post something, whatever, take a random picture and just throw it up there just to have something. It's like you want it to actually be valuable. And that takes time to come up with that content and put everything together and get it out there. So yeah, it can, it can on be that, a lot. On that note, I think a lot of times, um, myself included, um, trainers overthink things and we yeah. overcomplicate things and we're perfectionists and if it's not perfect we don't want to throw it out there because mm -hmm. whatever fears we have like someone's going to judge us or whatever and you have to get past and like just put it out there it might not be perfect you might make a mistake but put it out there put yourself on the line put yourself out there in front of the public not everyone's going to like you not right. everyone's going to agree with you it's okay you are only going to serve a certain market you're mm -hmm. not going to serve everyone so right. you just have to be willing to put yourself out there. Um, I know a lot of people have imposter syndrome and they don't feel they're good enough and all these things. Mm -hmm. They got to get that out their mind um, and they just got to believe in themselves and move forward. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to kind of step out of your comfort zone a little bit because that'll just hold you back. And another good point that you made there was, um, you know, you're not going to appeal to everyone and that's okay. You need a specific niche that you're going after a specific target market and that is so important too because if you're just casting this broad net to everyone it's like it's just it's really not going to get you anywhere because people are looking for something specific so you might as well just focus on that one specific thing and just kind of forget about the rest and get really good at that one specific thing rather than just trying yeah. to please everybody because that's never going to happen Yes. And I think what people get caught up on is like, okay, I'm going to streamline my niche to right here instead of here. Right. And they're like, you can still take people from out here. Yes. You can still get people coming in that still want to work with you, but just focus on that target audience. Focus mm -hmm. on what your niche is. Your business will grow. Right. It will grow and it'll continue to grow. And you'll still get people coming in that are not in that niche. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you might turn them down because it might not be a right fit. Um, you might be, you know, your goal is A and X, Y, Z over here is just not a good fit for your, your facility. Mm -hmm. Don't take that person in if it's really not be good. Have a referral system. Maybe you know another trainer that you can, you know, refer people to and they'll refer, you know, your target market to you. Absolutely. Don't be afraid to work with other trainers. Um, I know everyone's in, we're in business and people feel we're in competition with other facilities, but if you really understand that facility A is serving this market, facility B is serving this market, mm -hmm. and they're totally different markets. There's yes. plenty of people out there. There's mm -hmm. an abundance of business for all the trainers in the market. 
So don't be scared to network with trainers and you know trade back and forth. Have someone that you can refer to because as a trainer, if you know that this is not your expertise, let's say you have a competitor comes to you and you don't do competitors. You've mm -hmm. never done competitors, but they just like you and their friend works with you, whatever. Right. Don't be scared to refer that competitor to somebody else. Like, look, I wouldn't be the right trainer for you. This person would be better for you. They'll respect you. Mm -hmm. They might not come to you for their service, but they'll probably prefer other people that would fit your niche. Right. Because, right. okay, this guy didn't try to sell me. He didn't just try to take my money and screw right. me over. He really exactly. had good intent. Yeah, exactly. And that's where a lot of that uh, trust comes into play as well. You know, people don't, people don't buy from people that they don't trust. So if you're building that trust initially in the beginning, then and even by sending them somewhere else, like you said, maybe they're going to send you somebody else that does fit the services that you do provide. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that being said, I think a lot of times people are also afraid to charge what they're worth. Yes. So they think they just have to pack in as many people as they possibly can to make up for charging less. You know, they charge less, but then they need more people. Whereas you can really get specific as far as your target market and then provide very specific services that these people are looking for and in turn charge more for those. So then you can bring in the same amount of money but have less people and the people that you're working with you're providing a higher level of service for so you're providing them with the results that they're looking for but you don't have to try to serve everyone at the same time so yeah. it still allows the business to grow and allows you to serve the people that you're looking to serve and really help those specific people because a lot of times when people come in and you know it's more of a broad kind of thing and they don't really have a specific goal and they're just kind of going through the motions they're not getting results you know they're not reaching their goals so at the end of the day it's like really you should really just hone in on the people that you're good at serving and serve those people and get them to their results. It's better than just kind of casting that broad net. Yes, indeed. Um, I think another problem with a lot of trainers is a, they don't hire trainers and coaches themselves. Yes. And they won't, they don't hire business consulting, you know, business coaches as well. Right. Um, last year I hired Jason Phillips from NCI. Um, wonderful experience um he helped me personally in my development and in my business and currently i'm working with uh trm matthew park and they're both focused on growing your business in different aspects yeah um, both are very good they're very helpful they're they're very different in their approaches and they work on different systems mm -hmm. um, but you have to be willing to find somebody that is going to truly help you develop yeah. every other business does this everyone else hires coaches coaches have a hard time i've always hired coaches my yeah. entire career prior to that you know i used to fight i had a boxing coach um when i was powerlifting ed Cohn was my coach i've always had coaches mm -hmm. um nutrition shelby starns i've always had coaches because i know there's someone smarter than me someone that knows how to do it better than me they've done it and they can been able to replicate ugh, replicate their results 
Right. So right. that where trainers get stuck and business owners get stuck is they don't reach out for help. There's people mm -hmm. out there that will help you and they're not just trying to, you know, of course, there's always going to be someone that's going to try to rip you off and stuff like that. You have to do your due diligence and your homework, but there's really good people out there that will help you grow your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like you say, I think a lot of a lot of gym owners, a lot of business owners in general kind of shy away from that. And sometimes it's like an ego thing. Sometimes we think it's like, well, it's my gym. Like I know what my clients want kind of thing. Um, and that really tends to get in people's way and really stunt growth. You know, it's like, why would you not go to somebody who knows the answers to the questions that you have and save yourself time and money because education costs money. You know, like if you want to try something, you want to just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks, it's going to cost you money and time. So you might as well just go straight to the source and figure out, okay, what it is I should be doing and start doing those things and kind of get ahead rather than just wasting time trying different things. So I think that that gets overlooked quite often. You have to spend money to make money. And it's that mindset, people like, well, this coaching service costs $6,000. I can't mm -hmm. afford that. Versus this coaching costs $6,000. How can I not afford that? Because they're talking about doubling or tripling my revenue. Right. If I spend $6,000 and they take my revenue from 10,000 to 20,000, that 6,000 investment was made up in one month plus some, and now I'm going way beyond that. Exactly. Staying in that same cycle. Like, you know, you're just struggling. You're just struggling. It's like, you have to break that cycle. Exactly. You don't, you're just going to stay there. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay. It, like you say, if X coaching program costs $6,000 and it's like, okay, I can't afford that, but what's the alternative? You know, uh, yeah. your gym closing, is that the alternative? Because struggling, struggling month to month, paying bills with credit cards because you can't afford it and hoping something magic happens, it's not going to cut it. No, nope, absolutely not. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that really made me love the business side of the whole gym fitness industry was belief breaking. Um, everybody's everybody has obviously their own belief systems regarding money or things that they're capable of, or, you know, whatever it might be, there's always some type of belief system attached. And a lot of times I think that not only in business, but in life that really holds people back. So being able to break people's beliefs, especially within their businesses, as far as what the business is capable of, what they're capable of, as far as owning the business is one of the things that I really love about the business side of things. Um, because like I said, people get in their own way and they hold themselves back and they just stay in this struggle because they just won't open their mind and just try something new. Um, so it's, it's really cool to see when somebody kind of gets out of that cycle and takes that next step. And that's where that growth happens. Yes, indeed. It's, it's exactly what we're trying to do with our clients. Our clients are doing like the same diet and it's not working. Right. <laughs> we need to try something different. They're doing the same exercise routine program, whatever. Maybe you need to try something different. Right. As a coach, you're trying to show people there's a different way to get to your goal. They need to understand they need to do the same thing with their business. Absolutely. If it's not working, you need to fix it. Yes. If you're struggling. You need to go find help. Right. Yeah. 
keep an open mind and uh, don't be afraid to make changes and adapt and keep moving because otherwise you're just going to stay stagnant in the same position and you know keep doing the same things you're going to keep getting the same results so whether it be in your business your fitness your relationships whatever it is it's you know that's the way it goes so definitely all right awesome so as far as social media goes i know you love it so much uh (laughs) where can the listeners find you on social media um instagram at strength and physique f-e-z-e-k um Facebook, same place. Um, those are my main two social medias. Instagram, I prefer. S- Facebook seems to be a lot more long stories and reading. Um, I like the Instagram. I like the short, quick. Sometimes you can put long stuff on there, but I just feel it's more direct to the clientele nowadays. People want tidbits of information. They don't want to sit there and read a half hour worth of of, of you know writing they want right i want some quick information okay this looks interesting then they can if it's interest them then they can you know dig in deeper absolutely people want to see fast and easy yes yep quick straightforward straight to the point absolutely all right awesome so it's been awesome having you on the show today thank you so much for joining us Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. All righty. So Zach from Strength and Physique in Arlington, Texas. All righty. So to the gym lords out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, make sure you keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Gym lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.